Wow, it's a beautiful day out. The sun is out. There's some birds in the trees. Little, I don't know, finches, sparrows. And they're just, well, you can probably hear them. They're making all this noise, but it feels very spring-like, which is such a delight in January to have a day that feels that way, that feels like it has that promise of mellowness. So, I just got a new sleeping bag. First new sleeping bag in, in a while. I had a North Face zero degree bag all through high school and afterwards that I used on sailing ships. And then I dabbled briefly with the like military bivy sack style sleeping bag that has the three parts and you can snap them together to make a system. But honestly, it's so heavy that I just never used it for much. Um, but, uh, we're, we're starting to do more backpacking and we realized that everyone kind of needed better sleeping bags. Um, and I was doing some poking around thinking about what I would actually like in a sleeping bag. And I wasn't seeing anything and wasn't seeing anything. I, you know, I'm a, I like sleeping on my side. I like sleeping on, uh, my stomach to some degree, although when I'm backpacking, it's usually more on my side. And I discovered uh, Sierra Designs makes this new sleeping bag that doesn't have any zippers. And so instead of zippers, it kind of has these two sides that kind of sort of one of them swoops down at an angle across and the other one's sort of like a crossover shirt, right? Or like a crossover sweater. Uh, or the, the way that uh, the, the neckline of some scrubs works, right? Where like one part goes under the other part, kind of cross over each other. They do that essentially. And they do a similar thing for the foot box. So you can get, get your feet out. And it arrived yesterday. We managed to find one at a used backcountry gear place. It arrived yesterday and I am in love. It's so great. And a big part of why it's so great is that there are no zippers. I never realized until there weren't any zippers just how much I hate zippers on things that I'm sleeping in. I've always hated dealing with zippers when I'm trying to get out. I'm sleeping back, I always hated like trying to get the zipper zipped up, feeling like the zipper was rubbing your face, like all the, I hate everything about zippers when it comes to sleeping bags. And this sleeping bag has no zippers. And it also works supremely well. Uh, because essentially the way it opens is sort of on the front of your body. So if you're lying on your side and you roll with the sleeping or like you keep the sleeping bag rolling with you, the opening is sort of always in front of you. Whereas with zippered sleeping bags, depending on which side you were lying on, it was either the zipper was sort of always on your right hand side, right? Sometimes that would be down, sometimes that would be up, sometimes just it never worked great. So I'm so thrilled about the sleeping bag that I wanted to talk about it, but it's also gotten me thinking about why good design matters, right? I think we forget that things don't have to be the way they are, that things are the way they are 
for reasons that are often historical or have to do with inertia or have to do with sort of the somebody's innovative thing that then everybody copied and became the standard of the standard of I don't know what standard not standard of care but standard of performance standard of you know like the standard thing and it can be very hard to even see outside certain paradigms once they get established, right? You know, you think sleeping bag, you think something with a zipper. Now, you know, my understanding is that the earliest sleeping bags per se go back to Arctic cultures, and they sure as hell didn't have zippers. So it was probably just a bag with an open end and you'd scrunch your way down in, and that was that. And then somebody, probably in the 50s or something like that, maybe the 40s, uh, came up with the innovative idea of adding a zipper. And it was probably, especially with a two-way zipper, you could stick your feet out the bottom, it was probably a big innovation and a big improvement for some people. But But when you stop being able to see something as an option and start seeing it as sort of emblematic of everything that this thing is and could be, well, then you blind yourself to all sorts of possibilities. And frankly, this is what I love about spoon carving is that every now and then, not always, but every now and then, I will get a glimpse, a glimmer of an idea of, you know, gosh, well, I guess it could be that way. I don't know why I thought it didn't, it couldn't be. And uh, I was describing one yesterday in this Masters of Sloyd seminar talk that I gave. Um, I was talking about how I, I, I came up with, although I'm sure other people have come up with this in the past, a long-handled spreader, right? So usually we think of butter spreaders as having short handles because that's, you know, if you have like a silverware butter knife, they're short. That's what they're for. But, you know, butter spreaders were designed before the advent of peanut butter jars, for instance. Uh, and, and so your average peanut butter jar is actually not well served by a butter spreader. So, you know, us being, the, the culture has adopted the butter knife as being the thing that you use to spread, say, peanut butter from the jar because it's a better fit. Well, I was, uh, I was, I decided that I wanted to make us a, some sort of spreader or butter knife to bring camping last summer. And I was thinking through how I could make it as light as possible while still being functional. And I thought, well, you, you know, when you use a peanut butter, when you use a butter knife to spread peanut butter, you're only ever using the tip. So what if I just make something that's like all skinny handle until you get to the tip and then you have a usable tip, a couple inches, an inch and a half, maybe. And that's sort of the minimum amount of surface area that you need to make a functioning object. And then the rest of it is as slim and uh, you know keeping it strong but as slim as possible and voila it ended up looking like a long-handled spreader now once I saw the this idea of make a long-handled spreader it seems so obvious right I've, I've made lots of little short spreaders in my career as a spoon carver I've made lots of butter knives but I've never thought to make a spreader that was the same length as a butter knife because in my mind I was stuck in the paradigm of what our culture 
sort of does, and the culture stuck in the paradigm of everyone's silverware. So to come up with an innovative design, and I'm by no means saying that I'm the first one to come up with this, but to, for me it was definitely a leap. It was a creative leap. And once I'd made that leap, it seemed super obvious. Just like how now that I've used a sleeping bag without zippers, I don't ever want to use a sleeping bag with zippers ever again. If I ever have a sleeping bag with a zipper that I really like, I might cut out the zipper and sew it up part way or do something, you know, like it, it's just, why would you do that? It seems so obvious. And this is what I love about design is that it allows us to realize that our world is malleable and the things that make up our world that we interact with could be better. Sometimes the way that they're better is really massive ways. Often they're just small ways in which you know, something is the way it is for historical reasons that are no longer applicable or no longer the best possible design. Maybe they weren't in the first place, but they caught on and now you can't see past them. And I love seeing past them. Thank you very much for listening. Talk tomorrow.